Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. To the people that have done this, your time is running out. You will be found and you will be dragged before court. The small businesses we know in every sector that are being hit here. Do we want all those local little cafes gone? Our differences should be celebrated. It's something to embrace different backgrounds, different races. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96FM. Good morning. Beautiful, beautiful autumnal morning here in Cork. Uh, 0818969696, the number. The text to WhatsApp 0833969696. Thanks to the multi award winning lads, Casey and Ross, in the morning. And we are delighted. We got some lovely messages across the weekend, too, um, about our two awards, which we picked up on Friday night. We were delighted and thrilled and honoured. Uh, with a silver award and a bronze award at the Imros. So we were thrilled, absolutely thrilled. And thanks to all the people who sent us nice messages on the back of that. And then we're out partying on Friday night. You're kind of keeping a half a notion of what's going on in the news around you. It's kind of what you do. It's the job that you do. But then come Saturday morning, you, you wake up and the unspeakable horror of what has happened in the Gaul. Uh, is all over the newspapers, it's all over the radio, it's all over the television. It just sits like a dark, thick, horrible cloud over the nation. And there are no words to express how awful it is. I've never been to Krishla, but I've been to that part of Donegal. Uh, the name Krishla, it may have not come to your attention over the weekend, it's an Irish name. And it comes from a meaning is belt of lakes. Loch is a lake and Krish is a belt. Krish Loch, which give you an idea of the beauty of the place. Stunningly gorgeous part of Ireland, of the world. And uh, the front page of the Irish Sun this morning has pictures of Robert and Martin and James and Leona and James and Catherine and Martina and Jessica and Hugh and little Shauna the 10 people killed and there's an 11th man 
uh, fighting for his life in hospital in Dublin in a Burns unit. Many other people were injured but will make, thankfully, a full recovery. But, but how do you ever recover from something like this? The front page of the Irish Daily Mail has We Hold You in Our Hearts. Again, pictures of the ten dead. Uh, same on the front page of the Irish Daily Mirror with a simple message. Pray for them. And even if, you, even if you don't pray or whoever you pray to, just think of them and their families, and their friends, and their colleagues. The Irish Daily Star, again, pictures of all of them. The Irish Independent, the same. Even the Times in the UK has coverage, and all the British papers covering, all the British media covering it uh, over the weekend, the, the sheer horror of what happened at Creeslock. Here in Cork, uh, the Lord Mayor, Councillor Deirdre De Ford, will open a book of condolences at 12 o'clock today, Monday. Uh, she said, words can't express how heartbroken we all are feeling on the tragic loss of lives in that community. Uh, working over the weekend in that part of the world has been Jason Johnson of the Sun newspaper. And uh, Jason, do, do we know yet? Have we any idea yet what actually happened? Morning. Morning. Well, um... The uh, Garda are, are calling it a tragic accident. What what, it's, what it seems to be is there's been a, a gas leak in the uh, apartments uh, behind the petrol station, and uh, the uh, the theory is that there was a gas buildup within the pipes and within the system, and, and then there was a, an ignition of this, which could have been uh, uh, as simple as somebody switching on a light. Yeah. It could have been uh, you know some kind of Thing like that, and, and it blew, uh, it, it blew out. Um, and there, there, there's uh, suggestions that just because of the, the sort of pattern of the explosion, then um, you know, they have some idea where, where the source was. But that's uh, that's a work in progress. There was a drone shot from over it across the weekend, mm. and the building just appears to have just crumbled. Yeah. It, it it really does. I mean, we're we're you know we're we're, we're used to very sadly seeing seeing some of these images from Ukraine in, in recent months, and that and that's what a lot of people have said. It it, uh, it just look looked like a you know an act of massive uh, violence, but uh, it does it does. Uh, it, it does seem to have been uh, just a complete accident that no one really could have uh, done anything about it. I, mean, I, you know, I would know this area quite well. I would, I've travelled through it many times on on week getaways here and there, and it, it's a cheerful, joyful uh, place. And I, yeah. I have never seen it so sad. Yeah. So all the smiles are gone, and the, the heads are down. And uh, you know, it's it's that contrast for me that. Uh, that, that, that really brought it home, and uh, but of course, you know, uh, people are, are are stepping up in incredible ways, and uh, a lot of people, local people, aren't uh, you know they're not they're not really getting much sleep, and they're they're doing what they can day day and night, and and there was one one woman um, whose windows were blown out in, in her house, you know, very close to the explosion, yeah. and she has uh, she has opened her front door. Um, and inviting people who are there, you know, relatives, press, uh, emergency workers, others, you know, if they need to use, you know, the bathroom or come in and get a wash or a break mm. or whatever, her doors, her doors open. And, you know, that's, 
And yeah. that's just the shame and light of the, of the people there, you know. The humanity of it is, is incredible, Jason, across the weekend. Now, 10 people died. We understand that one man is still fighting for his life in a Burns unit in Dublin and others are injured. The 10 were named last night men, women and children. Just It, it adds to the tragedy. People in for a bar of chocolate and a birthday cake and a couple of quid at the ATM. A normal Friday afternoon. It's, it's, not, it's not right. It's the ordinariness of, of all of this, of people just going about their their business and particularly on a, on a Friday afternoon just schools had finished and that that weekend feeling was was kicking in for for people, you know, and uh, for, for for this to happen at that point. And I think it's what yesterday brought, you know, when the the Guardi released uh, uh, the uh, images um, and confirmed all the names and, and the ages. I think that's what has really brought it home to a lot of people. I mean, you can talk about numbers all day, but it's looking at the faces and and uh, final and. Yeah. about the people, all all local people as well. You know mm. what a what an immense uh, tragedy for uh, everybody for, knew somebody who died. I think that's the impression I'm getting over the weekend, listening to interviews and yes. reading the papers. You know, everybody knew somebody who died, and that's such an unspeakable tragedy. Jason, um, the guy, the investigation, like you say, is continuing and will continue for some time. The place has been has been sealed off. Uh, now the locals must come to terms with what has happened. There were vigils last night all over County Donegal, I believe. There were, there were. And uh, you're seeing uh, people, I mean, to me, it's like people who really know how to look after others are now turning to, to look after themselves, you know. Um, and and the, the the heart of Donegal is, is, uh, is you know, is, is on show there. And, and there was one one clergyman whose words really really stuck with me. He said that the uh, the, the effects of this will last forever. You know, people talk about it taking a while to get over things. You know, and he he said because of the compassionate nature of the people around there, that this will be forever. This will be this will be something that's always there. I mean, things will things will get back to normal, but you know, this the you know the seventh of October is is going to be a day. That, uh, that stays very at the forefront of, of minds of people mm. there for, you know. The, front, the first of the funerals, I think, will take place in the next day or two, a man called James O'Flaherty. But there's going to be a lot of sadness in that county mm. for, for the next few days and indeed weeks and months to come. There, there is um, the first, of, the first of, of 10 funerals, really. And I mean, we are, uh, you, you know, as, as the post-mortems, uh, conclude. There's just going to be one after the other. We, you know, we are we're in uh, a, a lot of uh, funerals here. There's going to be a lot, lot of, lot of uh, you know, pain on show. But there's going to be a lot of dignity as well, and and uh, you know, people do people doing what they can to to get through it. And you know, I, I uh, do, do you know what one one of the things that that has has struck me as well is that there's there's a man called Jared McFadden who's a who's a local. Um, and works in the construction industry, but he actually lives out in Australia and, and uh, in Brisbane. And he he uh, he said he felt helpless, and he ha- has launched a little fundraiser um, when he got when he got up on, on Saturday morning. And we're just into day three now of that, 
and it's uh, just shy of a quarter of a million euro. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he said he started out with the hope of raising maybe sort of 20,000 euro for his, for, you know, his friends and relatives back home at their time of need and people all over the world um, are coming forward. Uh, you know, it's the diaspora really is, is showing the, you know, how, yeah. you know, the quality of itself, really. The world yeah. is a village, and there are Irish people everywhere, and I'm sure Donegal people all over the world. And I know from from one reporter to another, covering stuff like this is is never easy. So my thoughts are with you today, pal. Take care of yourself, Jason. Thank you, PJ. Thank you. Cheers, Jason Johnson from from the Sun. Um, I was actually coming home on Saturday after being away for the night in Kilkenny, and on my way home. I pulled into a garage. I wanted to get, we needed milk and I wanted to get some water, some fizzy water and stuff like that. Pulled into the garage and like that went to the cash machine and got me bits and pieces and got out, sat back into my car and it dawned on me. That's how simple this was for the people who were in the garage. One man had gone in to get some cash out of the ATM. Uh, Father and daughter had gone in to get a birthday cake for mummy. One young girl was found standing next to the, or sitting next to the ice cream, yeah, next to the ice cream freezer. She went in to get an ice cream, just finished school, Friday afternoon went to get an ice cream. The most normal, ordinary, simple things that you do. (sighs) And it could be any of us. It could have been any of us at any time in any garage like that, up and down the country, or and that, I think, is why it hits so many homes this morning. It, it just makes its way into your thoughts, and you can't avoid it, even if you wanted to. Uh, I'll go through the names again, just because I think it's important that we do. Robert Garway, Martin McGill, James O'Flaherty, Leona Harper, Shauna, whose second name, unfortunately, I don't have in front of me, James Monaghan, Catherine O'Donnell, Martina Martin, Jesse Gallagher, and Hugh Kelly. Yeah, uh, Shauna uh, Flanagan Garway. That's right, I knew there was a different name. Shauna Flanagan Garway. She was just five, and she's on the front page by her Irish son today. She's on the front page of the sun. Gorgeous, gorgeous little kid. Herself and her dad had stopped off to buy a birthday cake for mum. The most normal stop you'd make on a Friday afternoon. 0818 96 96 96 Let me show you what it's all about it Simon Murdoch and the best music mix Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96 FM There's only one playlist you need in the afternoons in Cork It is brilliant It has these guys Hey, it's me, Justin Bieber Hi, this is Billie Eilish What's happening, everybody? It's Tom Guerin Always dishing out the excitement with big giveaways <laughs> So in the afternoons, in Cork, if you're at work, in the car, or just out walking the dog, what have you got to do? Say Cork's 96 FM. Let me show you what it's all about. Simon Murdoch, midday to 4pm. With Sky VIP. At Sky, everyone's a VIP. Visit the VIP section of the MySky app to discover your rewards. On Cork's 96 FM. Yeah, remember, if you want to... Express uh, your condolences and sympathies to the people of Krishna. The Lord Mayor will open that book of condolences at midday 
at City Hall and I expect that there will be large numbers wanting to go and sign it. I know I certainly will. 0818 96 96 96. We can come back to Krishla and if there's any developments or anything else during the morning that you we feel you need to know or if you've anything you want to say, any thoughts in your mind uh, about the uh, tragedy of Krishla, then we can certainly uh, come back to it. But I want to move on to something else that a lot of families are worrying about these days and that is feeding their family on a tight, ever-tightening budget. An ever-tightening budget. Um, you, there's so much week left at the end of the money in some houses now. So people are looking to change where they shop, how they shop, what they shop for. And one woman who's done, if you would expect no less of her, has done a fabulous TikTok on it is Julie of Twins and Me. How old are Erin Rose and Fionn now, Julie? Morning. Morning, PJ. They turned five during the week, actually. Get away. Five. Yeah, I know. <laughs> they're shoot- yeah, the they're shooting up, five. girl. They're shooting, shooting up. <laughs> so we were in Disneyland for a couple of days, so that's um, where they celebrated their birthday. So nice. they had a ball. Very good. Very good. Shopping uh, as they as they turn five. Nightmare. Yeah. Oh, they eat. you know what kills me actually, PJ, is the lunchbox fillers. So like you're talking about your smoothies, your yogurts, your rice cakes, your raisins, your fruit, like things that you put into the lunchbox or the things they snack on during the day when we were when we were at home, you know? Yeah. Um, it's all those things. Um, I find them so expensive. So where do you go? You did this video so- to check out all different halls, as it were. Yeah, so I do love Dunn's and I love the fact that you can use the vouchers in Dunn's. I suppose like with the vouchers, it's like like I'm making sure that I get used to the vouchers. So I'm always going back to Dunn's and they're about, I'd say it was about last month, I done a fabulous shop in Dunn's. So my whole shop came to around 135 um, euro. Mm. And because I had the two 10 euro vouchers and also at the time they were accepting the five euro. So I got 15 euro off. So I got it down to nearly 100 euro. I got it down to about, yeah, like, sorry, like 25 euro. Yeah, just a small bit over the 100 euro. Mm. Which, and you yeah, got a lot for it. I did, and as I said now, it was all the lunchbox fillers. It was this, I got two boxes of smoothies. I got yogurts. I got um, the cheese strings. I got fruit. I got, you know, the wraps. that They love Paw Patrol ham, all that. And I, and I got, obviously, then all my meats and my milks and, your, you know, your normal fridge and cupboard and things. And perfect, like just over 100 euro. Yeah. You're, you're, this, the importance of shopping around and checking and keep going back to check again, no matter where you do it. Exactly, exactly, you know, and like I do find, like as I keep saying, the, the vouchers and tons, I just love them. I just think they're brilliant and they really, really help. Mm. Now, you also got to watch your coupons. Um, we don't make as much business of coupons in this country as they do, say, in America. But but coupons, yeah. you can save quite a few quid if you're care- you watch them and let them mount up. Exactly. And you know what else now is that happening to me? With me being away for a couple of days, my coupon could have expired because you only have a certain amount of time to use your coupon. So there is a Facebook page. Um, What's it called? Is it called Dunstores Voucher? Something in around like that. And I could go on and I could be like, oh, I'm going to Dunstores today shop and I have no coupons. And a girl could say, oh, look, Julie, I have a coupon that's actually out tomorrow. I'm not going to get to Dunstores within the next two days. You have mine. But when you get your voucher back, will you send me a voucher? Do you know you could yeah. swap and change? Swapsies. and You could yeah. ask for a voucher. 
vouchers as well. Yeah. Do you ever go to Little or to Aldi or do you just stick with Duns? I just stick with Duns. I did shop in, I, I don't really like Little, um, but I don't mind Aldi, but I do raw the Duns. I raw the food in Duns. I just raw, I just raw the Duns. I, I suppose as well, the vouchers are always bringing me back there as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that idea though, swapping stuff. If you know you're not going to get to the shop and you get a voucher expiring today, you might have someone. Yeah, that's 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 a cool idea. Kids are fussy about what they eat. Uh, you know, they they won't um, they won't eat just anything. They want brand names, particularly when they're turning five. They'll start demanding. That's not the same ham you got last week, mummy. I want the other ham. Yeah, like the pop Shoal ham now, for example, they love that. Or there's a teddy bear one as well that they love, and they'll know if there's the Paw Patrol ham isn't in their wrap, and they'll demand the Paw Patrol oh ham God. or that little teddy bear ham. And you know yourself when it comes to eating, especially with children, you do anything, you know. Yeah, yeah. You, but they, 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 they insist on the brand names. They, they do. They love it. Yeah, they, yeah, know, they know. Like, it's 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 a while now since there was anything like Paw Patrol ham coming into my house, Julie. But is it shaped it's like? Is it the we used to call them? We used to call it sh- Billy Roll. Is it shaped with a face on it? Like it's a shaped with a face. Yeah, it's the Paw Patrol. It's like a print, a Paw Patrol print, <laughs> and then you have a teddy bear shape then as well. Yeah, so they, I, they I, love I've, that. I've got this vision of of one of one of your lads inside the class opening the wrap <laughs> and oh, looking at know, the ham. That's not Paw Patrol. Ruined, ruined. Sure, I remember going to primary school and secondary school. I'd say for every single day I was in primary and secondary, all I got was um, pork, onion, and tomato sandwich oh, and a penguin bear. Pork, <laughs> onion, and we were reared on it, Julie. Reared on it. And pork, I wouldn't give it tomato. to the dog these days. I know, I know, but sure, these, these kids these days are ruined with their Paw Patrol ham and their wraps and different lunch every single day, different flavour smoothie. All I ever got was a penguin or a wagon wheel. <laughs> I love wagon wheels. Did you, ever get a, did you ever get an easy single with ketchup in a sandwich? No, oh God, no I never got that one, no. <laughs> oh, we used to oh, get no. a, I know, yeah, we used to get Nutella. Oh no, we never. I don't think we ever got that. No. Maybe jam, or do you know what else we actually got? Um, banana with a bit of sugar. Otherwise, if there was no banana in the house, she might give us a sugar sandwich. Oh God, I I don't think I ever got them one once. I mean, like even when I, even when I think of it now, I can feel my arteries hardening. Like it's just. Oh, the sugar. Oh. Sure, if I if I sent my two now to school with a sugar sandwich, just be at my door. <laughs> different times of that and so even wrapping the books there last week when I got all their school books back I brought them into a place there in Douglas and they wrapped them professionally they were lovely Sir PJ my books used to be wrapped in wallpaper everybody's also. books were wrapped in wallpaper yeah. so were my books wrapped in wallpaper I'm, I used to I'm love wallpaper on me, on, on me books wallpaper yeah your, your copy uh, books used to match the sitting room they're, they're gone fierce posh now Julie because you can go and buy the school books and the shop will wrap them for you Oh, that's where that's where I went to Douglas. The shop wrapped all their coffee books and all their little workbooks professionally. I, d- I, I discovered. Oh, and like, I discovered that when I had little people and I was very lazy and I I, I had one year of sitting up yeah. and I had twins like you remember, I had one yeah. year of sitting up with sellotape and glue and very much swearing trying to get all the books covered. I said, "Sod it, it's worth it for the fifty cents a book." It's brilliant service, <laughs> to be fair. But I remember standing there, like, "My God, these children are ruined." Well, they don't like, know themselves. They don't know what they have. They don't know them. They don't know they're born. I mean, like you said, we got we got pork in the smell. You got a, a sugar sandwich one time. Another one. Did you ever get an apple in a sandwich? A sliced apple. Oh God. 
No, I never got that one, no. There was another one, right? Cheesy spread. It was oh, yeah, like butter. It yeah. was like butter, right? Yeah. But it was cheese. You'd get that in a sandwich. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's not too bad in a no, way there no, compared to an apple sandwich. I, 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 wonder, I wonder if you got... I wonder if you got the pork onion and tomato, right? And cut it into the shape of a paw. Yeah. <laughs> you get, you get away with work? it. <laughs> I know, maybe. We'll have to try it. Mind you, the, someone on the phone here said the kids nowadays, sometimes the teachers... And I, to be honest with you, this, this now really grinds my gears. Sometimes the teachers inspect the lunch boxes to make sure that the dietary requirements are being kept up to date. She's so she careful what you put into them. There was an article in the paper out during the week. Go about that, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, everything has gone so PG, you know, like compared to only a couple of years ago when I was in school, like. Yeah, yeah. The teachers wouldn't dare and check our lunch. I don't think they ever do. They check our skirts, all right, without the ruler, make sure they're up there and near the knee. <laughs> well, we never, it, we yeah. never had that problem in the boy school, apparently. <laughs> That's the only thing they ever done to us: measured our skirts, never, uh, never the lunch boxes. Yeah, no. The, not, not, then again, I suppose they don't want the children coming in with crisps and chocolate for their lunch. So they have to keep some kind of nutritional balance and watch all the obesity yeah. and that crack so I suppose there's see that's it and I suppose if Johnny is doing a little Mary should be allowed as well and it's just it's unfair there you go there you go alright Julie I'll leave it there my best to the two thanks a lot oh wait oh there, there it is there's a picture Paw Patrol lunch bites 0818 96 96 96 thank goodness I reared my children before Paw Patrol I can imagine going out looking for looking for things cut into the shape of a paw. But they were the things we got going to school. Remember getting, I used to love uh, blackberry jam in my sandwiches. And um, you'd get Nutella and and cheese. The, the, the cheese sandwich was an, was an easy single and we loved it. The pork onion and tomato though, no. That was an abomination. You still see it. You still see it when you go to the butchers. You still see it there. And remember, in the, they used to be sliced so thin if you picked up, you could see through it. Do you remember that? Somebody a little bit upset about what I said about pork, onion and tomato. I didn't like the comment PJ passed about pork, onion and tomato that you wouldn't give it to a dog. Uh, it's still very popular. It is popular, Margaret, I know, but it just, I hate it. I hate the stuff and I somehow don't think my dogs would eat it because they're fussy, particularly one of them. Then someone else says, um, we used to have cold toast for lunch I love now here's the thing two things I absolutely love right is cold toast I would go in home at lunchtime and I could be they could be the remnants they might have rushed out and they could, the breadboard could be there and there could be a half a slice of cold toast left on the breadboard in the kitchen oh yeah oh that's gone down that hatch faster than lightning I love cold toast whether or not there was butter on it, but I prefer it without there having been butter on it. Cold toast, I like. Absolutely like cold toast. And cold, I love cold pizza. I absolutely, cold pizza and coffee for breakfast. Now, I'm a happy man. If anyone has a pizza in our house and there's a slice left over, always, for me, I'll have the cold pizza and a cup of coffee for me breakfast. Would you heat No, don't heat it up. No, 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 cold pizza. Cold pepperoni pizza. That's the breakfast of champions. 0818 on a Saturday. Slightly hungover champions. 0818 96 96 96. Corks 96 FM's Sun, Samba and Styles. We want to send you and a friend to see Harry Styles live in Rio. Live in Rio. You know it's not the same. 
Paris and Brazil with flights, hotel, spending money and tickets to Harry Styles Love on Tour December 8th. You're so Listen for the hits of Harry from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. weekdays for your chance to win. For your chance to win. We've been doing all this late night talking. Win your way to Harry Styles, live in Rio. Very excited to see you at the show. On Cork's 96FM. The GAA Sports Star of the Month Awards on Cork's 96FM. With the Rochestown Park Hotel. The August Award winner is Kieran Murphy of Aaron's Own. Kieran is recognised for the part he played as Aaron's Own topped their group in the Premier County Senior Hurling Championship and secured a place in the semi-finals. Congratulations on being this month's award winner. The Cork's 96FM GAA Sports Star of the Month Awards. Recognising outstanding achievement in Cork GAA. For you. Corks 96 FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Corks 96 FM. Looking lately at some of your daft, mad, crazy, different alternative hobbies. Chatting with the Cloda last week about the way she goes around visiting old buildings and discovering old buildings that have been left to tumble down and takes pictures of them. And we were reminded of the Abandoned Ireland Instagram account, which is literally where people do this. They put up pictures of abandoned buildings. And there was a house in Cork featured on it recently. Uh, they reckon Mrs. Ahern's house was abandoned nearly, what, nearly 20 years ago, Sarah. Good morning. Morning, PJ. How are you? Good. You came across it, literally, and you reckon, what, 20 years since anyone touched it? Yeah, that's what we reckon, just from, like, the calendar hanging on the wall and stuff. Tell me about it. Where is it, or can you tell me? No, we won't. We never tell where the houses are, just to try and protect them a small bit, you know, yourself. Okay. But we we just drive around, really, and we saw this one. So we said we'd pull over and have a quick look. Mm-hmm. And it was just the usual, like wandering around, no floor, hardly any ceiling left. And we walked into the kitchen then and we got the surprise of the birthday card. Which I think made it so personal for everybody who saw the post. 90th birthday card. Yeah. And had they been been written in? (laughs) Had they been written in? Um, I only opened one just like with a fingertip just to see if there was writing left inside and that's where we got the name Mrs. Ahern and there was a car outside as well wasn't there yeah Emma was taking photos of the car Mm. Emma uh, this this had been a fairly new car at the time the the, the house became vacant was it yeah it was a zero zero ridge Um, so we reckon we kind of decided that maybe it was a gift for her 90th or she got it for herself or something like that. Right. Um, but right. if it, if the house was left in 2003, it would have been only three years old at the time. Right. Practically a new car. And there was yeah. plants grown up into it and everything. Mm. Yeah. Unfortunately, the windows had been smashed. Yeah. Um, which we see a lot when we go to these kind of things. There's usually somebody has been in and ruined things. Yeah. But just spiders. There was no... Um, real damage the inside it hadn't been lit on fire or anything yeah so it was perfect looking only the windows right and the rest of the house other than being lit to rot I mean did Sarah was was there evidence of vandalism in it like 
There wasn't really evidence of vandalism in this one, to be honest. Just deterioration, like there was no upstairs and all the downstairs floor was pretty much gone. Yeah. But I don't think it was vandalised, besides the windows, maybe. I'd say it's just been there for so long, you can barely even see it anymore from the road. It's become overgrown. How did you start doing this, Emma? Where did this abandoned Ireland idea come from? Uh, we kind of just had an interest in history. And then all the photos of places we were going to see were just taking up a lot of space. So <laughs> we put them up on Instagram as kind of our own little photo album. Yeah. A little bit of history, so we could look back on our photos, um, just for our own selves. And then people started following, because turns out loads of people are interested in it. Yeah. Um, I suppose it's cool to see, because you get the old photos, the old buildings, and it could be historical buildings, like the convents and things in Cork City, but I think it's a little bit of history that people are interested yeah. in. And like when you set out to find something, is it completely random? Do you know what you're looking for or do you just literally park the car somewhere and start exploring? It depends. Sometimes we have, because um, we, we have so many followers now, sometimes they give us suggestions of where we should go. Um, yeah. Other times we'll just be driving somewhere and we might see a clump of trees and go for a nose or do you know that kind of a thing. It I really do. depends. Um, it depends what we come across. Because some places, I know I'm thinking of one one place now that I'd absolutely love to get into, um, but you probably never could because it's boarded up. There's an old hotel in Omahinsha as you drive down into it, and it's abandoned. And I have a thing, to top a, a fascination with abandoned things, I have a thing about abandoned swimming pools. <laughs> they just look weird. They just look odd. And this place had an old outdoor swimming pool. I'm thinking there must be loads of old hotels and old boarding houses and hospitals and clinics and all that kind of stuff up and down the country. There is so many. And it's such a shame as well because some of the buildings are so massive. They're taking up so much space. It's a shame to see them derelict because they do just fall to ruin. Even if they are listed, they just are left to fall apart. Yeah, yeah. Interesting hobby. Fascinating hobby. (laughs) Abandoned. And some of the pictures are brilliant, by the way. It's good photography going on there. Thanks very much. Just us on our phones. Just us on our phones. Ah, you see, but phones are good cameras these days. And if they're in the hands of someone who knows what they're doing, they're even better ones. All right. Cheers to Sarah and Emma from Abandoned Ireland on Instagram. Mrs. Hearn's house. She was uh, at 90th birthday. No one knows what happened. And they don't tell us and they don't tell people on Instagram where the house actually is. That's lovely. It's on Instagram, like I said, you find it. Um, Michael Moriarty was on about the cost of living, and I'm chatting about the cost of living and keeping the cost of living down, chatting with Julie a while ago. He said, I fully agree with recent discussions about cost of living increases. As you'll be aware, I'm the designated shopper in my house. I have seen increases, huge increases, in basic commodities. You're right, Michael. The basics, the basics have actually become quite expensive. They re- and, and they're going up like a couple of quid here and a couple, a couple of euro here and a couple of cents there and they're going up and up and up. Having said that, however, she says, or says, says Michael, I was at Dublin Douglas Court yesterday, half past 11. Not a seat available in any cafe. All occupied and everybody snacking. So what does that say? Well, it means that people like to go out on a Sunday morning. I think it's, it's a lot. When you, when you can afford it, of course. It's a lovely treat. We love to do it on a Sunday morning. Pop out, not every Sunday morning, but 
pop out for a bite of breakfast on a Sunday morning is a lovely thing to do. But I get your point. And it's the ordinary stuff that's gone up. Like, you'll still get a decent fry up most places for a tenner, if you have the tenner. But it's the ordinary stuff. This morning I was browsing for a bit of fruit coming into work and some and the fruit's gone up again. Fruit has fruit has gone awful. Particularly these packs of bits of melon or bits of bits of pineapple. I love a bit of pineapple. I'm too lazy to buy one and cut it up, but I do love a bit of pineapple. And a few little chunks of pineapple in a plastic pot. Four quid. Now of course one of the biggest suppliers of pineapple in all of Europe is Ukraine. So that would kind of probably explain that one. 0818 96 96 96. Something that kind of fell off the front pages over the weekend. I thought we'd have lots more because of the all the activity during the week. But of course, with the tragedy in Krishla, it, it fell off the front pages. It, it may uh, raise its head again. I'm talking about the Irish dancing scandal and all the stories that were breaking last week about fish gate and fish fixing and money changing hands and possibly even sexual favours changing hands for for just to get kids boot, bumped up the ratings at, at a fish or something. And it was a huge, huge story and gaining momentum every day. And then Krishla happened, which means maybe it will come back. But uh, Morris, you you were on to us. Morris, you you had a point or two to make about the Irish dancing situation. Morning. Yeah, good morning. Um, I would just like to say, like, that it seems to me that there's a lot of uh, cronyism going on there. There's a lot of uh, money money related issues involved there, and I really think it's about exploiting uh, children. And I think parents really should withdraw themselves from that type of uh, carry on. Yeah. Irish dancing is a huge business. There are a number of organisations. These allegations are foca- focusing just around one of them. But kids love it and thousands of kids do it. So you couldn't really be asking parents to withdraw their kids from something they love, could you? But should, but should a break in their hearts? We, we, we hear about them, you know, being very disappointed and about the favouritism going on and about the, the, the financial burdens that they take. These kids are coming back disappointed, especially where, where there's unfairness in judging PJ, like I, I mean, it can't be advantage, advantageous to a child uh, to to go in a comp- an intense competition and, and, and then do their very best and be and, and be essentially, you know, do very badly because of uh, a crony. Essentially, yeah. uh, that, that you know that 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 can't be right, could it? Yeah. Another element of it is the costumes, and people were commenting again, and this is not the first time I've heard it raised, the cost of the costumes, especially for for little girls, and the big hair and sticking up their socks with glue and elastic. People are saying, that's got to stop. Where would you stand on that one? Yeah, it's part of the kind of cosmetic world that we're living in. Um, it's, It's about, you know, aesthetics, and about elitism, and I'm better than you, and uh, it, it just doesn't do a child any. We're talking here about children here at the end of the day, mm. enjoying themselves and trying to enjoying themselves, in, in enjoying themselves and their life. You know, go up to their mother, get a pat on the back, well done. But it, it's costing so much money. I think they're being exploited. Children should not be exploited in this way. I don't know if you have children yourself, Morris. Would you put them into dancing? Absolutely not. No way in the world. In fact, I keep them away from. Uh, a, a lot of clubs in this country, these things start out great. They start out very, very genuine. And over time, they become they, they become rather corrupt, it has to be said. And 
you know, it, it, it does the opposite to them. Instead of giving, adding to their life and fulfilling their life, and what it seems to do is, is, is make them unhappy. Yeah. Morris, thanks for that. No, thanks for having me on. That's Morris. Wouldn't put his children, I don't know whether he has children or not, but just that he wouldn't put children into Irish dancing. I wonder how many people are thinking now that they wouldn't put their children into Irish dancing or that they might even take their children out of Irish dancing um, as a result of what stories that were breaking last week. And I've no doubt we'll, we'll come back again. Did you see where Micheál Martin, I, yeah, I used the term, spoke out over the weekend. He was in Prague at this EU summit that they had out there and he was asked about, of all things, imagine you're out in Prague on state business and a fellow comes up to you with a microphone and asks you about bus connects in Cork, which is good, actually. And he said people are very worried about it and people are very much frightened by the prospect of what bus connects and associated projects will do to their communities. I see where all of the Fianna Fáil councillors in Cork City Council have brought forward a motion for tonight calling for the plans to be rejected. There's a very good piece actually in the Echo today analysing the plans for Bus Connects. It tells us that Amy Nolan writing that over 2,300 submissions were were made during the initial phase of public consultation which ended last week and also uh, 900 and something buildings will be affected by this first wave of bus connects if it goes to, if it goes ahead as planned. 993 properties could be impacted. But the chief executive of the NTA said as the design evolves, a lesser number could be impacted, which kind of tells us that some are almost certain to be impacted. But the Taoiseach, the unusual one, the Taoiseach, speaking about bus connects, he said it's... He's almost saying we have to think again. He didn't quite say it in those words, but almost saying that we have to think again about what we want to do with regard to uh, bus connects. It's one that's going to run and run. And in fairness, everybody who is sort of saying that bus connects is a good thing, and there's none of us object to better public transport. I don't think any of us would object to that. This is the first round of consultation. And from what you listen to Dublin, there's a huge difference, a, a gulf in difference between what the first set of Bus Connects proposals were for Dublin and what will eventually go ahead. And one is left led to presume that that'll happen here too in Cork. After 10, you're listening for a Harry Styles song. We're doing another week of Cork's 96FM's Sun, Samba and Styles. And you're looking out for a song between 10 and 11. What song will I play? Yeah, we'll give As It Was a spin between 10 and 11 on Sun, Samba and Styles. You guys ready? Drive home weekdays from four on Cork's 96 FM. Even more chances for you to get into the draw for Sun, Samba, and Styles on the big drive home this week. Already, we've had excitement. Oh my god, I've been trying all week. We've had hardcore Harry fans. He does a four nipples. And we've had this. Oh my god, I'm actually going to tear up. I'm actually going to tear up. And lots more to come this week. You're listing out for the hits of Harry. Make sure you're with me every weekday from four. The big drive home with Kevin. 
O'Leary Silver Springs, the new home for Suzuki and Cork. Hybrid has never been so affordable. Call now to ensure January delivery. Cork's 96 FM. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 9696 9696 Samba and Styles and you're listening out for a great pop song actually as it was drop that sometime this hour do not start texting until you hear the song right if you do that then you'll we block you no we won't but you know you know, please don't start doing that until you hear the song we'll drop that at some stage in the next half an hour. 0818 96 96 96, the number, the text to WhatsApp, 083 396 96 96. PJ, I've been in that hotel, I've been to that hotel, you run about in Onahinsha. If you know it, you'll be coming down to Onahinsha sort of from the other side, not as you drive into it from the Ross Carberry side now, but you're coming down to it from the other side, down the hill there. There's an old abandoned hotel. Uh, there's a sad and spooky story about that hotel, according to this message. Supposedly, a girl died by suicide in that pool. Oh, really? Friends of ours were in there one day. There's a small chapel as well, and I believe they were exploring and on the way back out through the chapel, and one of the candles in the chapel was lighting. It could be complete waffle, but it spooked the life out of them, and we never went in there again. All the fences have been tied up with barbed wire now to prevent people from trespassing. So the chances of getting in there are slim to none. That's from Jack. Thanks, Jack. Yeah, where was I? I was coming, actually, from Galley Head. I'd been down at the lighthouse. Remember, we did a feature on the lighthouse earlier in the year. And I was driving along the coast, beautiful, beautiful evening, and I came down into Onahinsha. I was actually looking for a place to stop for a bag of chips. And... There's the hotel, and I thought I would. I actually stopped the car. There was room in front of it. So I actually thought if I can get in here now, I can wander around and see for myself what it's like these days. But you couldn't. It's all barbed up. Uh, but the pool is there, and it's well, well, what's left of it. I don't know whether they ever even filled it in, or whether nature filled it in with weeds and ditches and briars and stuff. But it's it's real spooky. It's real, um, real eerie as you pass down. I say on a Halloween night in Onahinsha to be a fierce place to go. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Imagine a school where there are no rules, no homework, no set start and finishing time, no headmaster, uh, nothing. You'd wonder how does it work? Uh, Kira Brehany joins me from County Wicklow, from Wicklow Democratic School. Kira, good morning. Good morning, how are you? Good. It's it's one of a wave of alternative schools springing up around the country. Yeah. But, but tell me about Wicklow Democratic School. Um, thanks, uh, PJ. Thanks for the introduction there. Um, uh, yeah, so we start, opened in 2016. Um, just uh, a number of parents whose children were, were not thriving in school and who had discovered these alternative schools in other countries and you know, were 
we're often paddy last out here on the edge of Europe, but we, we do catch up eventually. Uh, and when we decide to do something, we do really well um, and we respond very well to it. Um, there was definitely a, a, a hunger for it at the time um, because it, it, it snowballed very quickly when we started putting it out there that um, we were thinking of doing this. Um, so we opened in 2016 and there's a school in Sligo now and there's one in, in Bantry in West Cork and about another four or five in the works as well, mm. so uh, including around Cork City. No principal, no hierarchy, no homework, no one's in yeah. charge. If students like something, they study it. If they don't, then yeah. they don't. There's no curriculum. Yep. So uh, how would one prepare for something like a leaving cert yeah. through a school so, like that? I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. curious. I'm just wondering how you do this. Yeah, no, no, it is. It's a big leap for a lot of people. Um, I mean, you know, the the leaving cert uh, is the the end result of may, of the mainstream education system we have here. So, uh, children coming into our school, they can opt to do the leaving cert, and some do come in and say, "Yeah, I still want to do the leaving cert." Um, but a few months in, that's gone by the wayside because, for whatever, lots of different reasons for them. But uh, generally speaking, it seems to be that. The, you know, once you're outside of that system, the leaving search um, kind of only serves itself if you're within the system. So there are other ways to go to further education. And the learning that happens for the children in the school during their time here is uh, it's very different um, in the sense that they really can dive deep with the things they really want to learn about. And they're, they're you know, they're excited to learn. And it's a very intrinsic way of learning. Yeah. when it's coming from their own desires and their curiosities. And, you know, you think, right, if you let children pick what they want to learn, they'll want to focus on Netflix documentaries. But it's not like that. They actually do want to learn the same stuff as we did oh, when we went yeah. to school. Yeah, so uh, when we say we don't have a curriculum, we don't have the national curriculum, but we create our own timetable at the start of each year. And some of these democratic schools don't do that, Um you know, I suppose each school has its own personality dependent on who's in the school, the makeup of the students in the school. There's so many different ways to learn. A textbook is one way, and we certainly have students in the school who learn through textbooks. That's the, it's, it's, it's how their brains are wired. It's how they like to learn. But then you, you have uh, so many other ways to learn. And we've such, um, just at our fingertips, we have a world of other ways to learn things. Mm. Um, and you know, this is a space where children can really explore that and discover how mm. they learn and discover a love of learning as a result instead of being shoehorned into something that doesn't fit sure. Other than French and maths and physics and chemistry and things like that that I learned in school, I also learned, Kira, about life. And I learned yeah. that in life, there's always somebody in charge and there's always rules. And if you break those rules, there can be consequences and you know Absolutely. when you work later in the corporate world some yeah. of what you learned in school about accepting that sometimes it's just a rule so if there are no rules and no no hierarchy structure in your yeah. school is that life lesson being lost so in fact the opposite because there it's it's not fair to say there's no rules there there are very much is rules um okay. but there's it's their rules, you, you know, their rules that are kind of, uh, agree. we see them more as agreements. Look, we all want to be safe. Kids are not stupid. They know 
they want to be safe. They want they've been given this freedom to to learn what they want to learn, but that freedom can't infringe on somebody else's freedom. You okay. know, so we have very clear boundaries. But the, our conflict resolution system is very much at the heart of of the school, and in fact, the children there are learning how to navigate conflicts, how to listen to each other, see other points of view and actually look for solutions. It's a real solution thinking, uh, critical thinking skills they're learning. So there are rules, absolutely. Um, and if you don't, the, the rules are there to keep everyone safe. And any community has rules, any society has rules. Mm. So in fact, they're learning it in a way that's, oh, okay, that makes sense. I understand why we need that rule instead of I'm being told we need this rule and I've no say in it, so I'm you. just going to push against it, you. you know. So the, yeah. the skill they're learning is how rules are formulated and why. Yes, exactly. Yeah, And therefore they, yeah. gain, they gain an understanding. Like, do yeah. you, if you've no homework, for example, and so yeah. do, do you have deadlines for things? It's up to the child. So we do have some classes. We do, you know, classes are there. On the, We have a timetable of classes and... Some children go, there's no one who goes to all the classes. We've, a, we've an age range of sort of 6 to 17, 18. Um, right. So there, there's no one who goes to all the classes. Um, but the classes are there and people can opt in. And Sorry, I've lost, uh, I went off on a tangent there about classes. Right. What was your question again? Sorry. Just, just, just pretty much saying, you know, deadlines for, for yes, having deadline. a project in, a homework. Yeah. Like if, an es- if there's an essay... If you do yeah. English, if there's an essay, you, you yeah. must bring it in by Friday. Do you do that? Yeah. Yeah. So if somebody signs up to do the class and there is a, a somebody coming in to teach the class, whether it's a staff member or a parent, it's often parents or another student sometimes. They're the, they're on occasion, it's a student who knows the most about a subject. Um, if you've uh, signed up to do a class and somebody's preparing for that class and putting work into the class preparation, um, then there is an expectation there of, well, you, you've, this, this person is showing up because you guys have voted to have this class. Okay. So yes, um, and there would be an expectation there. But writing essays, you know, that's if somebody decides, I really want to, I know, I want to go to college, I want to know how to write an essay, I want to know about how to meet deadlines, then yes, they can, they can do that. But some people, that is their worst nightmare and... They don't want to ever have to do that. But, you know, they're they're evolving continuously throughout the time in the school. The the little ones just play. They're learning amazing social skills. And then as they get older, they they start to become more focused on the things they want to learn. And you see older teens very much focused on uh, specific subjects and really diving deep in it. You mentioned that some classes might be taken by a student rather than an actual teacher. So are you saying you don't actually have... Your, your staff are not all teachers. No, no. In fact, uh, it's very it's very difficult for someone with a teaching background to come into these schools and um, really be able to let go of that. Um, you know, it's a it's a very particular way of teaching, and it has its place. I'm not saying that it doesn't, but um, if you have been trained in that way, it can be challenging to come in and not be the person at the top of the room um, giving the information. Our staff have a diverse range of backgrounds and skills, and we're, we're more facilitating the children's learning than actually standing at the top of the class teaching. That can happen on occasion, but mm-hmm. that person standing at the top of the class is the person who 
has the information that everyone else in the room wants. And yeah, on occasion, that is a student. It's 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 food for thought. Kira, thanks, Kira Brehany from Wicklow Democratic School. I I'm not going to I'm not going to take any particular stance on this. It's a fascinating, a fascinating concept that you learn a different way. Let's go to uh, West Cork now. Jessica Mason Little from West Cork Sudbury School. We've talked to them before when they were launching. Hi, Jessica. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Great altogether. How are things going in the school? Yeah, good, thank you. Yeah, really good. I think Kira put it really well that, you know, once we started on this project, it just kind of snowballed and it really shows the demand and need for mm. choice in education, just to have different options available. I think the one thing that would make parents nervy, I know certainly if I were back at a time when my children were looking to go to school, I'd be nervous about a school because I'd think of the preparations needed for the real world in school. Yeah, I think, though, in a way, mainstream school isn't necessarily a good preparation for the world because there's very rare occasions in life when you're sat in a room with only people your own age with someone much older telling you what to do and actually in the real world you need to learn teamwork skills you need to learn to be able to communicate with other people who aren't your age and to have that kind of mixing I think that is a really good preparation for life I think it's also a really good preparation for life to know that your voice is heard and taken seriously because I know some schools would have a student council but they can only give so much input into how things are done. Whereas in a school like this, it really empowers children. So they become really active citizens. And really, I think that is a massive life learning. Um, and it gives incredible team working skills. And, and you say and that you children, say that ch- they're born with an ability to learn. And the role mm-hmm. of the school is support that, not force yes. them down certain pathways. Exactly. I mean, we are all innate learners. And I think, you know, as Kira's already said, children do want to learn and they want to explore things. And when they're given the space and the time and the freedom to explore things in a deep way, they can actually, you'd be surprised the things like they do want to learn maths or they do want to learn to read and write. And they can do it much quicker when it's in an environment where they're enjoying it and it's their choice. Yeah, I suppose... It is. You've probably come across many people as as saying this to you, Jessica. If you learn, if you let them choose what they want to learn, should they'll be learning about silly things like video games? (laughs) I mean, there's always going to be an element of that, but there's also, like I say, there there are so many other things that they do show an interest in, and a bit like Wicklow, we have a timetable that's co-created with the students, so it comes from their wishes, the things that they want to learn about, and that covers things like maths, chemistry, history, geography, archaeology, a whole range of subjects, and yeah, they might be playing video games and learning from that as well, but there's also a whole other range of things that they're interested in. And, I mean, one of the things, I, I am, can be a sceptic about video games too. I'm a nature lover. I, my background's environmental education, so yes. I love to be outside. But I also, I have a teenage son in the school who does play video games, but he plays ones that amaze me how much he learns from them. Things like civilization, things like where, um, where you're building up and you're learning about um, geopolitics and all kinds of things. So I think we're very quick to 
blanket say that you don't learn anything from a video game right, right. and i'm just i'm guilty of that at times yeah, too i, I must think, admit I, I think i probably am too jessica to be fair yeah you know in that and not, not all to... learning comes out of a textbook no exactly and i think sometimes the learning it, it, it is deeper and stays with you in a very different way through play i can't remember the exact statistics but you know to learn something new you have to do several hundred repetitions unless it's through play and then you, your brain basically learns so much quicker through play Okay, all right. Sudbury School in West Cork, and they're busy. You, you, you're, you're, are you fully subscribed, Jessica, at this stage? So the way we, at the moment, we have 26 students and we have a waiting list of about 15. Um, and we wouldn't take, it wouldn't be like in a regular school where you take a big cohort of students in September because it's so new still. You know, we're building the culture and the community. So it's a gradual intake through the year. So, um, yeah, we're gradually taking new students throughout the year and we just see them because every time someone new comes in, you know, it's a community. So you have to allow things to settle, new relationships to form, and then we can bring someone else in, basically. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you. Good to talk to you. Jessica Mason Little from the West Cork Sudbury School, another alternative school doing it their way. I wonder what you think. Would you send your children to a school where there was no rules, no homework, no hierarchy. Well, there's rules, but you know what I mean. No hier- homework, no hierarchy, no principle. The students pretty much choose what it is they want to learn. If they're interested in something, they'll learn it. If they don't, then if they're not, then they won't. It seems to be working for them in Wicklow, and it seems to be working for them here in West Cork in the Sudbury. Would you send a child to an alternative type of school then again I suppose the wonderful life centre might come into that bracket as an alternative place of learning that model uh, they, they don't necessarily force everybody into exams, some people do exams some people don't and they learn different things in a different way and they can pretty much do whatever it is they want to do within reason so yeah, maybe 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 the alternatives are working. Normal schooling is too much, says Kate. Double maths, I'd rather pull out my own teeth. It's all about control in the mainstream. 0818-969696. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96FM. It's the final week to qualify for Son, Samba and Styles. Get yourself on that plane to Rio. I'll play more Harry for you today. I'm here from 12 on Cork's 96FM. Rob says, PJ, you were talking about the hotel in Onahinsha. Do you know who owned that? It was the great Pa Connolly. Uh, who also had a bar up over St. Augustine's called the Southern Bar. The door is still there on the Grand Parade. God, Robbie, that's a bit before my time. I don't ever remember that bar. I'd love to know, though, who owns that hotel now or the grounds on which it stands or, well, on the wreck of it stands. No, just when we talk about old places that are abandoned, if we just have a fascination. I'm going to Onahinsha a long time. I remember being down there in... God, four or five years ago, maybe more, and asking what's happening to that hotel on the hill. I'm, I don't think I'm old enough to remember it ever being open. Certainly ever, never lively. But I always thought its position, if you know Onahinsha, and there's thousands of people go to Onahinsha every summer, so you know exactly where I'm talking about, that battered old hotel up on the hill. If, if you took that over and built hotels or, or holiday homes 
or little chalets or whatever up there. Imagine the view at sunset. It's amazing no one ever took it over when it closed down and went derelict. Sun, Samba and Styles. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Corks 96 FM. All right, we played it. We told you we were going to play it. And you've been texting in in your dozens and hundreds and whatever. So, who have I got? Line three. Emily. Hello, Emily. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Are they all terrible busy out in daybreak in Rosewood in Ballancolic? <laughs> Yeah. You got two minutes to come in and text, did you? Yeah. <laughs> All right, okay. There was a fellow outside now waiting for his coffee, so I let you go fairly quickly. But I need you to answer a question for me. Can you do that? Yes. All right. How would you fancy heading off to Rio, by the way? Would they give you time off to go, would you? Probably not, but I'll still go. <laughs> <laughs> I like your style. I like your style. Right. There's always a bit of controversy, right? Harry had his controversy recently. It became known as... Spitgate. Uh, who who do they think he spat at? Was it A. Douglas Smith or B. Chris Pine? I said A. Douglas Smith or B. Chris Pine. Um. I hope you were listening to me. Did I said A. <laughs> Douglas Smith or B. Chris Pine? Uh, B. B. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have known. <laughs> Emily, listen, you are now into the draw. So you could be. Who would you bring with you? Where you going? Who, who would you um, my co worker, Sabrina. I see. I, there you go. Gee, you'll never get time off for two of you, will you? Oh, definitely. We'll just go. We'll just go. I like your style. All right. Well, you could. You could be heading off to Rio for five nights. We'll fly you there. We'll put you up at the best hotels, give you spending money, and send you to see Harry on December 
the 8th. All right. Emily, stay <laughs> on the you. line so the lads can get the rest of your deeds. All right. Hold on. She's back to there, boys. And, uh, okay. That's it. That's another one. Simon will have another qualifier in the afternoon. The rain in the evening time. You are listening for the hits of Harry between 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. weekdays. When you hear them, you need to text or WhatsApp to tell us you heard them. Answer the question and we get you in the draw. And you have to be over 18 to take part in Sun, Samba and Studs. Only on Cork's 96 FM. Access all areas on Cork's 96 FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. Keen to Crope has announced the March 2023 headline tour following his emphatically sold out run of September shows culminating in a return to Cypress Avenue on April 1st. Tickets are on sale from Friday at 10am from the Old Oak and cypressavenue.ie. Access all areas. James Orr's Earl of Songwriting and Sound have been praised for their authenticity, earning him plaudits like a place on Hot Press's Once to Watch listings. James returns to Cork this Thursday night for a show at Collins. Access All Areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play or exhibition coming up or any live streaming events or gigs by emailing us at aaa at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 83 396 On Cork's 96FM. Now, I've been taking a drink on or off since I was about 19 years of age. I know I wasn't one of these guys who started at 14, but I remember taking my first drink about 18 or 19 years of age and being in college. Well, I did. Um, and I still like a drink. I love a drink. Um, but some people just stop. Um, that's what Mary-Kate did. Mary-Kate Smith. And she's written about it in The Examiner. Um, you Would you have described yourself, Mary-Kate, as a social drinker, a heavy drinker, an occasional drinker? And you just stop. Hi, PJ. How are I, uh, you? How, how are um, I would have been, yeah, I would have been definitely like a social drinker. So um, I would have drank on occasions, like whether that was a celebration or a funeral, um, a wedding. Um, you know, I drank if I was celebrating, I drank if I was stressed, I drank, you know. So it was like, I I didn't drink at home alone, right. but I would, if there was a celebration or a get together, like, as I said, you know, for a funeral or, you know, I'd, I'd text a friend and be like, oh, I'm really stressed. Will you go for a drink? So I definitely was more of a social drinker. Yeah. Like I was out Friday night now for our annual award celebration and we had a few drinks. The chances of me having anything more than one bottle of beer at home between now and the jazz weekend, probably not. I just don't at home and anymore. I used to. Would you be that kind of a drinker? Yeah, like when I was drinking, um, it was mainly like more of a social outlet, I'd say. And I wasn't like, I wasn't kind of the type of person who was having a bottle of wine at home. But like, I always kind of felt like it didn't really suit me. Right. And I never felt good. Like even after like three sips of a drink, I just felt, I don't know, I felt more self-conscious. I just felt like this isn't the right kind of thing for me. But like I continued on drinking for years. Like I I knew this from about, I'd say, the age of 19. And, um, 
you know, I just, I, I felt like, oh God, like it, it'll just be social suicide. Like I'll be a pariah. Okay. Um, nobody will want to hang out with me. Um, I have very much like had um, perceptions of how people would react towards me. So you pick up the first one and you go, I know this is not a good plan, but I'm going there anyway. And you got a bit tired yeah, of doing exactly. that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like I, I kind of realised, like, why am I actually drinking? Like, I was drinking to either numb the feelings or to heighten the feelings, I think. Right. And, like, it came to a point where I was like, I'm not actually, um, I suppose, dealing with my own feelings. And I wasn't um, 100% comfortable in social situations. So I just made- feel quite self-conscious and right. I'd... I'd worry about like what what I was going to say or what if I took a joke too far or what if I, I did the wrong thing or um and alcohol really just exacerbated that but I you know kept on thinking oh god like it'll just make me more socially palatable I suppose right um but it it didn't it didn't at all and you just decided to stop what was it difficult yeah it was really really difficult so like at the time I was living with um a partner who brewed his own beer and his dad was like really into winemaking and you know I didn't know anyone who didn't drink um and when I said it to people you know they were sort of horrified um and you know at the start I kind of felt like I had to prove like oh um I'm going to go on a night out because I'm really strong and, you know, I'll I'll show them like, you know, I can go on a night out and not drink all night. But really, I was just sort of miserable. And, and you know, unfortunately, it's not really acceptable in Irish society. Like a lot of people are saying, like, are you pregnant? Are you on antibiotics? What's wrong? Are you an alcoholic? Um, okay. Is someone in your family an alcoholic? You know, and, and they're the kind of conversations you don't really want to get into on a night out. Like, mm. you know, because a lot of people, when they do give up drinking, like there is a reason and and it's just like it might be a quite a personal heavy reason and like you're not going to be like oh yeah well actually it's because blah de blah and then that just dampens the kind of whole night yeah. like I had people um I remember bumping into a couple of friends from school and I hadn't seen them in ages and I was really excited and I was sitting in the um in a pub just having a cup of coffee in my lunch and I had the newspaper and um and they were like oh we're having a few drinks I come over so I was delighted I went over and and like literally all night they were just harassing me like have a few drinks like I can't relax if you're just sitting there judging us oh Um, that old chestnut yeah so like in the end I was just like I'm gonna go because like I was almost considering like will I just have the drink to to like shut them off and keep them quiet and then I was like I actually don't want to like it's not a good choice for me so um yeah like it just I think like as well as I've gotten into my late 30s I'm kind of getting more comfortable with who I am and yeah. like giving up drink was was really good with for that you the, know the difficulty element of it was more focused on what I was saying you're sitting there and it's the night is progressing and you'd love a drink um for whatever reason, and you're telling yourself, no, not having one. Had you ever had those moments? Would you ever say, just, just oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Like, yeah, absolutely. Like at the start, and like, I, you know, when I, I did and I had a drink, and then I was like, oh, I feel rotten. Like my hangovers were lasting like three days. I could have two glasses of wine. 
my hangover would like I'd literally feel nauseous. I just like feel rotten, have awful headaches um, and I wouldn't be able to be very productive in the morning. Um, so, yeah, at the start, I was kind of like, oh, sure, of course, I can have one. And then I was like, why am I even having one? The only reason I'm having it is for optics and like to please other people, basically. Yeah. And I think like as you progress into your late 30s like you just the jig is up you're you just don't want to people please as much as you used to in your 20s um mm. and once I decided right that's it no I'm not even having the one like it was just the best decision I ever made like yeah yeah you you say that in Ireland it's perfectly acceptable to drink at a celebration or a commiseration now as a non-drinker, I assume you would clash yourself as such now as a non-drinker do you think because it's often said do you think we have an unhealthy relationship with drink in Ireland? Yeah, we have a really unhealthy relationship. And and I say that because I definitely did, you know, like I'm not pointing the finger at anyone. Like I think there are so many people who don't. Um, and like I would never judge them. Like it's not like I think everyone should give up drinking. But if it does make you feel bad, if it's like, if you're doing it to like numb your feelings, if you're doing it for optics, for how other people think, like for me, it's about like the reasons. And like when I was young, like, you know, it was the type of thing, like you go into a field and you just drink like a slab of cans. Like that was the thing, like underage, like, you know, you just, um, that, that was just normal. Like I remember going to Slane and like having like, rock sacks full of drink you know and everyone was the same and you know that was just completely normalized and like being in other cultures like since then and, and visiting friends in America and things like that like I just realized like that's actually not that normal mm. um to drink like you know 12 cans or even to to drink two drinks every night you know it's it definitely is um, mm. an Irish thing and I think it's just because it's so embedded in our culture and and we normalise it yeah yeah so if someone was as you say sober curious wanting to give it a yeah. give it a go for a while uh, like my missus Queen Bee recently when we came back from holidays she, she didn't have another no, she's not a heavy drinker by any manner of means, but she didn't have another drop until we were away for a week <laughs> in West Cork. Like she was seven or eight weeks. And even then we were, yeah. we were sitting down there and she said, will I have a drink? It's your call. I'm not going to say a word to you. It's your call. And she did. And she enjoyed it. Yeah. But like to someone who is sober, curious and wondering what the hurdles are facing them, what are they? Yeah, so I'd say like um, if you are sober curious, like you don't have to hit rock bottom because a lot of people think that you do and they think that like it has to be like a life or death. I'm going to die if I take another drink. Like my liver is is goosed, um, you know, and like that, that, that's it's, when, that's it's when you something have that, to stop. We're, we're talking about people who that's are when you have choosing to stop, to yeah. stop or choosing to so cut like, way if, down. Yeah, like even if you want to cut down, like I think it's really good to have a support system, like um, just like seek out other people, like, you know, even things as simple as like type in sober curious into like hashtag and Instagram or things like that. Um, you know, there is like some lovely women's circles that have opened up around Cork. Um, I went to one called Cork Connections. It's just a really nice way to like connect with other women who aren't just 
you know, it's not a night out, it's not drinking, it's women who are committed to like their well-being and just want to chat and mm. get to know each other. There's loads of podcasts and books. Um, my personal favourite is Russell Brand. I just love him because he's so funny and like it's such a dark topic for him because he was in the depths of heroin addiction. He wrote a book a few years ago uh, called My Bookie Wook, which is hilarious and and terrifying at the same time. And now he's vegan. He barely touches water. I know. (laughs) Well... I don't know about water now, but like he does these courses online, like um, Commune. Commune is a brilliant um, one for like meditation and things like that. And listen, I'm not the type of person, like I don't go around being like, oh yeah, I meditate and I'm like vegan and like I'm not at all, like I'm not even that particularly healthy, like, but just this was a good decision for me, you know? And like, yeah, podcast books, like, you know, just knowing that you're not alone and you will be alone at points yeah. and you will be the only person. But like having just the knowledge in yourself that like this is the best decision for you, I think, you know. Yeah. Do you think that, I mean, you said you're in your what, your, your late 30s now. Um, do, do you think that people sort of, younger people now in their 20s, have, have they got a more, a different attitude to drink? So that the time that you started drinking, say your late teens or whatever you did, right? With me, the time I started drinking was my late teens. Yeah. But do you think that people who are now at the age where you or maybe I started drinking have a different attitude? Like, I think there's a perception that they do, but I personally don't think so. Um, like, I worked with young people for 12 years and, like, it's it's just, the, in my opinion, it's the exact same. Gen, um, Gen Z seems now it's to be different mad things, for exercise like, and stuff, though. They are, but they're also mad for their, you know, drugs and, um, you know, things like microdosing and um, there's more access to, like... I don't know, like certain cocaine and things like that. Yeah. And, you know, it's just what what is the drug of their choice? And like, you know, they definitely seem to be more into the whole well-being. But like, I always get the um, impression that there's sort of like, um, it, like prescription drugs are bad. Oh, don't take Prozac if you need, you know, um, help with your mental health. But microdosing on mushrooms is totally fine, do you know? <laughs> so, yeah. or, because they're or, natural, or, or or yeah, they're they're healthy and fit, and they take it nice yeah. and handy all the time until they go to celebrate, and then they get absolutely hammered. They get yeah. hammered. <laughs> And I think they're all just so good looking and well dressed oh, now and they have access so. to things. Sickeningly like we so. didn't have access. I used to literally iron my hair with an actual iron and I burned my face several times, you like marked myself like the stylish so. woman you, I was like going around. No, as, as, as a fellow who We can, used to iron our hair. No, no, no. But did you did you not have <laughs> did you not have straighteners like there was no such thing as straighteners. So that's what I'm saying. They have access to all these things and they just look so goddamn gorgeous and, and fantastic. Sorry, like, uh, they're just better at fooling people. I have this <laughs> image, right? I have this image of Mary Kate, right? Hopefully without yeah. a drink taken yet, right? With the hair down, the head down on an ironing board, right? Yeah, that's exactly the image, and, and, yeah. And, 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 and pull out and, and put a tea towel or something on top of the hair and then get That's the, exactly it, And yeah. then get your iron... You'd be lucky to come yeah. away with both ears, one. 
I know, like, how did we not burn our hairs? Like, I've burned my ears, I've burned my neck. People have thought I had a hickey on my neck. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. It's like, I'm yeah, just, so I'm like, just glad you did this with no, with no drink taken, or did you? I know, and I never forget going in for, like, um, my braces and my dentist was like, is that a bruise on your neck I see? And I was like, oh, my God. It actually is, like, it's a burn. <laughs> I was earning me hair. Oh God, Mary Kate, <laughs> we've gone off in other directions, but it's a most entertaining I know, conversation. I know. Thank you very much, Mary Kate Smith, who's given up drinking. Uh, if you're sober curious, just just stop, just stop, and tell people I'm not drinking right now, and it's your business and nobody else's. Thank you. The Cork Diary on Cork's ninety six FM. St Luke's Charity and Home will host their annual lunch fundraiser on Thursday, the thirteenth of October, at the Maryborough Hotel, celebrating their one hundred and fiftieth anniversary this year. St Luke's Home is one of Cork's oldest residential care homes and specialises in dementia care. All funds raised from the event will go towards supporting St Luke's services and, in particular, the dementia unit and the local free community dementia service. For more information on the event and how to donate visit stlukeshome.ie If you have an event you would like mentioned, email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie The Cork Diary with corksimon.ie Because everyone who calls Cork home should have one. Corks 96fm The lines are live And we're ready to talk Can we just talk? Call 0818 96, 96, 96 Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96 Email opinion at 96fm.ie The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan On Cork's 96FM Yeah, lots of people remember calling it the Glen Rose <laughs> Thanks, Catherine. 0818 96 96 96. That feeling that you had uh, before bed on Saturday, or Sunday rather. Have we a homework done? Have we the essay ready? And now it transfers into adulthood. Christ, have I that deadline? Have I that report written? They call it Sunday scaries now. Thank you. On alternative schools, normal schooling is too much. I'd rather pull my teeth out than have double French. This, um, I liked the topic on alternative teaching, says D, leaving no one behind, uh, more life skills and choices for each individual. Great idea, says Kay. I hated my school days. I'd love to have gone to a school like this. I thought school was way, way too strict, says Kay. Finbar says this is crazier than Bus Connect. <laughs> Thank you, Finbar. 0818 96 96 96 the number the text to whatsapp is 083 396 96 96 and the email is opinion at 96fm.ie and that's the best way to get us out of ours you listen to our podcasts or listen to our overnight repeat show we put the full show up for you every afternoon in the form of a podcast mid-afternoon also and also various uh, selected bits from the show if you listen to any of that stuff outside of ours best way to contact us is opinion at 96fm.ie if you have an idea for something you think we should be talking about same thing opinion at 96fm.ie something you want to bring to our attention the same email address applies there's a documentary on television tonight on RTE. It's on at 9.35 on RTE 1. 
Uh, I've been fascinated with this story for quite a number of years, always as a youngster. I was interested anyway, but then I had a, a colleague and a very dear friend, a man called Frank O'Brien, who used to work here for many, many years. Um, it's sadly no longer with us now, but Frank had an uncle on the Viscount St. Philem plane. And that plane left Cork on the 24th of March, 1968. It was a routine Sunday flight to London. Aer Lingus Flight 712, Cork to Heathrow. It was a Vickers Viscount turboprop aircraft. Aircraft with propellers. And it was to fly, those days that flight took about an hour. Maybe slightly more, maybe slightly less, depending on weather conditions, about an hour. And about 25 minutes into the journey, there was a distress message from the plane, picked up by air traffic control, which said... 12,000 feet descending, spinning rapidly. That was one of the pilots on board. Their voice was heard. And the plane crashed into the sea off Tusker Rock in County Wexford. 61 passengers and crew on board all died. Only 14 bodies were ever found. It is the worst aviation industry crash in, uh, incident crash in, in Irish history. And because it left Cork, there were huge Cork connections. There were many Cork people on board the flight. And many mysteries have surrounded this, or many questions have surrounded this, almost since the months after the accident. Because no one actually knows, to this day, it's fair to say nobody actually knows what happened to the Viscount St. Philip. There were a number of theories Uh, One theory was mechanical failure, that it literally just broke apart in midair. Another one was that a piece of metal broke off and hit the tail and bang, that was the rest of the the end of it. There was another one that it got hit by something, by a drone or by another aircraft, or that it had to do a very urgent manoeuvre to get out of the path of something. And in doing that, did damage to itself and crash. Now the Viscount themselves the Viscount, Vickers Viscount didn't have a very good safety record as you'll hear in the next few minutes but the mystery to this day exists what precisely happened to that plane on that day in March of 1968 and tonight the documentary delves into it in a little bit more depth than has been done before And I have had a chance to speak with one of those who participated in that documentary for RTE tonight. Peter, you feature in this documentary. You were 13 years old and your dad was on the plane. I'll start by asking you, what do you remember of that fateful day? Yeah, it was a beautiful day. I remember that very clearly. Blue, clear skies, beautiful day. But... But I particularly remember, it's funny that when you remember remember back, I remember from before the event. So I remember saying goodbye to my father, particularly, clearly. Um, he, he just walked across from one door. We had a granny flat and he was walking from having said goodbye to his mother. And he walked out the door and he said, see you, Pete Oaks. And you just remember it very clearly, the back black suit on. So that memory stayed with me for a long, long time. Mm. But then on, on the, later on in the day, um, I was sitting on my parents' bed. I was reading a comic and just, just I, I don't know, doing what teenagers do. Yeah. <laughs> I was a new teenager. 
And I heard my sister call upstairs, said, Breed Love, did you hear what happened? And I don't remember anything else, but I remember jumping up and my mouth was dry and I said, oh my God, Arthur's dead. And Arthur and I was the man who was running Aer Lingus. And then I said to myself, don't be such a niche that you know Arthur's not dead. And then I came out of the room and, and I crept down the hall. Arthur was your uncle, uncle, yeah. He was my uncle. He was the second brother to Mabel and Arthur Walls. So my father was the first brother. So my right. father was Desi Walls and he was Arthur Walls. They both had very good jobs. My father was running Whitegate Oil Refinery and, and, and Arthur was running Aer Lingus. And so I assumed that, I, I don't know why, I just, I, I think I was in denial already. You know, I didn't want to, because I'm sure I heard what my sister said. Mm. But I blanked it out. And I came down the hall and I crept down the hall. And I, you know, you know, one of those moments where you know you're going to hear something you don't want to hear. Yes. So I, I came down the hall and, and Desi, my older brother, said to me. Uh, and he said, uh, it's funny. Um, uh, after you, you think time heals. I don't know if it does, but it does mean you get on with life. But I mm. find it very hard to say this. I just find it very hard to repeat it. But he said. You have to kind of brace yourself to say it. So he said, Dad, uh, he said, Daddy's plane is missing. Okay. And they think it went down to the Irish Sea. And even after all these, I'm choking up. I think I'm fine when I'm going to say it. And yeah. I'm sure anybody, and as human beings, we suffer grief, you know, so so, so I'm sure everybody, you, you can relate to that. Okay. But that was the day and we went into chaos then. And I remember looking at my mother. And she just tilted her head to the side and she was all flushed and red. And it was the first time I saw her unable to speak. Mm. Um, I don't remember an awful lot more about the day except I went out to meet my friends, but I was late because of this and I, I didn't catch up with them. And, yeah. Uh, so that was the day. It was kind of, it's kind of, it, that, I don't remember much else. So that just keeps running around in my head. Yeah. As a 13 year old boy, a most formative time in your life. To lose such a figure like your dad. Well, you don't, you have no concept that he even is your dad. He's just there all the time. You know, yeah. your father, they're always just there. And anyone who's lost a, a parent at a young age, you'll know that all of a sudden there's something that was there that isn't there anymore. Yeah. And, and and it's very hard. You, you don't have the, the, the facilities to work it out. And that was 1968. And, and by September of 68, I was away in boarding school and, and, it took me literally 40 years to realize that being sent to boarding school had an effect on me. Because one of the most poignant aspects of all of this is, 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 is the denial. So, so it, it was the 30-year reunion in Cork Cathedral uh, where I first realized that maybe this had affected me. Yeah. And I, and I remember after 20 years, a, a cousin ringing me and, and, and we were chatting about it. And I said, do you think it had an effect on us? And he said, well, you know, very polite. He said, in balance, I think it probably had. So I'm, do, I'm going to get across there is that when you get a shock like that, you mm. just go into, well, I did anyway, as a young fellow, I went into denial. I had no concept that any of this had an effect. But now looking back, I realize it, it pretty much defined me. Um, I'm not saying that in a negative way. I mean, there's, there's a positive to come out of everything. But what got me most was that <clears throat> the thing that I probably have found it hardest to get over. You can get over people dying or get used to it or deal with it. But mm. it, was the, it was the fact that it wasn't dealt with properly. Yeah. Uh, and there were certain um, glaring truths that were ignored. And um, 
as a young as a young man, I found that particularly difficult, and I don't think I've ever dealt with it. Mm. I don't think I've ever really processed that properly. I had a, a very dear friend whose uncle was on that plane. Uh, my friend is no longer with us, but I remember he was also a journalist like me, and he always said, "I need to know. I absolutely must know what happened." Because Gussie, that was his uncle's name, Gussie would want to know. Do you feel that way about it with your dad, Peter? I, 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 I think some years ago I, I sort of gave up the ghost and trying to figure out exactly what happened. And part of me, I think that was because part of me decided that I knew what happened. Hmm. Um, and for the, in my head, it was a maintenance issue. Something happened to the plane at the back of the plane. There was a lot of evidence to suggest that it happened. So, so I came to rest on that. So. It, it, I, I think I kind of answered the question for myself, maybe because I had to. Do you know what I mean? I like, like your friend, you, you, you need to know. Um, I didn't feel that, 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 I didn't feel that for my father's sake I needed to know. Mm. Um, I was, I've never been able to think what it must have been like for him. I haven't been able to, I just haven't been able to go there. But, but um, what was more important was, as I mentioned earlier, was it, it, I tended to focus on, um, or I, I, I was focused on, it wasn't that I was making this decision. I tended to be more focused on, on why it wasn't, why some glaring questions weren't answered. Yeah. Um, and I, I found that difficult um, for, for years. And, and it was great that, that, that uh, the families in Cork, particularly the O'Callaghan families, pushed and pushed and pushed. And yes. The McCormicks and they pushed the guests um, a second investigation and they got what was called a trawling through the evidence. Mm. But that did work. So so in the sense that I found out eventually what I thought had happened was was affirmed by that investigation in 2002, only in a lot more detail. And the man who wrote the book Tragedy at Tusco Rock, a man called Mike Reynolds, I met him and he went into such amazing detail and established mm. quite clearly and it pointed very clearly to what probably happened. Mm. Um, and that brought that brought a lot of peace to mm. me, but I, I never really thought about it the way the, the, the way your friend did. But yeah. at the same time, now as I'm talking to you, I'm thinking, you know, well, well, obviously I did. Yeah. Uh, so it's obviously there. Yeah. You don't go with the collision theory. You don't believe the collision theory. Do you know what's really interesting, uh, PJ? Is 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 that for 30 years I did. For 30 years I was absolutely persuaded that it was a British missile, um, and, and and that something or something hit it, and that there was something else in in. But after the 2002 investigation, when I read through the detail of that, I thought, oh, my, that, that was just, that was a red herring. And so I, I kind of felt, I suppose I felt a bit stupid for 30 years here. I was telling everybody it was a missile. And now I just don't think it was. I do not think it was. You believe it was mechanical failure? I believe there was a mechanical failure. I believe something happened to the aircraft. Yes, and, yes, and there's evidence there to, to back that up. Yeah, there is. You on the like you said, 30th anniversary. You began to really think about it. On the 50th anniversary, you went out to the spot. That that must have been some moment. That was. I found that wonderfully healing, and I'll tell you what healing about it. And this is what makes a difference. Even this phone call. Uh, PJ, you calling me is, is a healing. Somebody is interested enough to listen. Mm. And that event was was massive. I mean, if you think that, that, that we were brought out in the Irish Navy and the St. Edna, and massive interest, money, time, people put a huge effort into this to bring us out to the spot. 
And literally 50 years to the dot, we were sitting in the water watching exactly where that plane had hit the water. And on one side, you might consider that a little bit macabre, but, but, but I found it extremely healing. You come away with the sense that, that, that what happened to you matters and that people care. And and for me, yes, it's nice to know what happened, but it's much more important to know that people care. It makes a huge difference to mm. me. And that particularly, it was a wonderful event, really wonderful and well done to everyone who organised it. The experience of making the documentary, uh, and I know some of the other people in it, the McCormick's, for example, and, and Dan Callanan, who's a retired air traffic controller and, and a, a family friend, Making a documentary like that, clearly looking at it, it was difficult for you. Yes, it was. But I have to say the people in Animo TV, which was wonderful. There was a girl called Sarah rang me and um, we struck up a relationship. She took the time to strike up a relationship with me. We chatted for nearly an hour. Um, so by the time I got to doing it, um, I was pretty relaxed. Um, and, and they were a wonderful team, very experienced team. And they were wonderfully caring about, and I mean that for the bottom of my heart. And and that, in other words, they were very aware that this could be a traumatic thing. Uh, even so, they rang me yesterday and said, "Look, uh, we have a special counsellor if you feel traumatised by this." Um, and so, it was traumatic, and that, 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 and and they were aware that trauma is so often subconscious. So, for example, coming up to this documentary now, when it's going to be on TV, I find myself being a lot more confused in my daily affairs and maybe getting angry when I think, why did they get angry there? What, what's wrong? And, and, and the only thing I can do is try and connect. I'm, I'm, I'm reacting. And, you know, I don't know if you, whether, you, whether you go with this idea or not, but, but they say that, that anger is, is, is suppressed grief. So if you're not letting your grief out, it will eventually come flying out in, in, when circumstances um, surround it and allow it to do so. And so... so I find that that's the way my grief behaves. So I didn't sort of feel, oh, my God, this is awful, it's terrible. But I was aware, and this is coming up to both the interview, uh, the, the TV interview yeah. around the documentary and this phone call. I find that I find myself being a lot more reactive to situations. So I'm just sort of trying to put two and two together and and, 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 and get an answer. Um, so it it is traumatic, but not consciously more subconsciously and and there are those that argue that 90% of our suppression and our depression and our grief is 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 subconscious yeah. and i would definitely go with that at this stage of my life you know so yeah so i hope that answers your question it eh? does it's, it's a interesting weekend peter that we're having this conversation because the country is reeling from what happened in Chrysler and you're not far oh, from Chrysler as we yeah. speak um and it's tra- national tragedy like that. It marks us. And I think the Viscount it was an occasion like that. It marks us for life. It did. And you know what the most interesting thing about it is? Is, is, is when there's a tragedy beside you, you, you're not sure at all what to do. You know, somebody's grieving beside you and all you can be is there for them um, and listen um, sometimes if there's something to do, well, then you, you you attend to that. But it's probably the place where we all feel most vulnerable. So you look look at Creeslock, it's, I mean, I just don't know what to do. It's just such an awful event, an ordinary app. Actually, I'm sitting in an apple green in Bunkrana, and I'm on my way back to Derry, and I'm sitting in an apple green. It's exactly like the one in, in Creeslock. Mm. 
and um, you know one man I understand pulled in he, he was just nipping in to get a little bit of cash out of the ATM and happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong yeah. time and I have no idea what to do and I often think that's why it's so wonderful when people listen. It's why it's wonderful when people do documentaries or they say, you know, that's important to us. And yes. I think for everybody, it brings a sense of healing. We can't change events, but we can connect in them. And I think that's, that's very important. Yeah, and, and I think you have a, an innate sense from the time of being just 13 years old of what some of the families are, are going through and will go through now. Peter, I know it's difficult for you to have these conversations, but I also know that you, in a way, you like having them because, like you say, someone, somebody is listening. And, and thank you for speaking to me today. Exactly, yeah. No, and, and, and thank you for listening, Peter. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Nice man. Uh, Peter Walls, his dad, Desi Walls, was on the plane that day, uh, that fateful day, over 54 years ago now. Uh, March of 1968, 24th March, it was a Sunday. And that documentary tonight takes quite a deep dive. And as someone who's been following the story now for a number of years and following the various theories and suppositions of what might or might not have happened, and certainly an awful lot of questions that don't, haven't been answered to this day, uh, it does quite a deep dive into those details on the documentary tonight. Uh, deeper than we can go in a interview on the participants, to be fair, but uh, interesting conversation nonetheless with a very, very nice man, Peter Walls. 0818 96 96 96. Is it a smash it? Or totally past it? An absolute shoe? Or send it to the moon? Stuck in your head? Or completely dead? Right now. Choose the music on Cork's 96FM for the chance to win 1,000 euro. 1,000 euro. Boom, 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 like that. Have your say on the Munster Music Survey. And the cash could be yours. Go to 96FM.ie right now. Click the survey link and tell us what you think. Right now. The Monster Music Survey. Do it today. And you could win 1,000 euro. Win 1,000 euro. Boom, 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 like that. See 96fm.ie. Courts 96fm. Heartbreaking interview listening to Peter. I wish him peace. What an outstanding, honest interview. My husband lost his brother in a tragic car accident when he was 14. And like Peter, the grief never goes and the shock defined him. They say children are resilient, but I'm not sure as the pain and shock and grief never left my husband. He often brings us up now after all these years. Love the show, says Jude. Thank you. John says one of the saddest things can happen to a child is to lose a parent like that. I heard it happening once, a child going, saying to their mother, I can't see my daddy in my head anymore. I have to look at pictures. The way a child's mind develops, they often lose even that small comfort of a connection. Yeah, and that documentary tonight, uh, 25 to 10 on RTE Television 1. PJ, when that plane went down, five children were left orphaned as their mom and dad were on the flight. Thank you. Robert, uh... I had an aunt on the Viscount plane. She came home to McCroom for her mother's funeral and was due to go back to London on the Thursday with her husband. They arrived at Cork Airport. She changed her mind. Her husband went to London. She went back to McCroom until that fateful flight on the Sunday. Her name was Nellie Quinlan. Uh, thanks for that, Robert. 0818969696. Coming up in a while, we were talking about air fryers, and I don't understand the fascination 
of the things at all. Every second shop you have them on special offer now. People say they're the way to go. I, I don't honestly get it. We'll check up in a minute. But before we get to that, food. There, we are looking at Instagram earlier on about abandoned Ireland and houses and buildings and places that are abandoned. <laughs> a, <laughs> there is an Instagram account called We Want Plates. And it's worth a look. We've all seen this thing of food being served on strange things like roof tiles. Yes, there have been roof slates. Or you get chips. You get your little chips in a shopping trolley. Have you seen that? Little miniature shopping trolley. You get your chips inside it. That's one of the matter ones. There is someone serving a fry on a coal shovel. I kid you not. Fry comes out on a coal shovel. But this Instagram account has pictures. Uh, someone served sweet and sour chicken with noodles in a pint glass. Someone also put a, a shepherd's pie in a pint glass. Help and listen, spares. Um, rashers on a kind of a shopping line. So your your dinner comes out. Or your your fry, I assume, comes out with sausages and the white pudding and the black pudding and the eggs on the plate, but the rashers are hanging up, dripping over it on a little shopping line. It's insane. <laughs> we won't play. Oh my God, what is that? Oh God, that's bangers and mash. Bangers and mash stuffed into a pint glass. Oh, and there, yeah, coffee. You know, barista coffee with the proper little pattern drawn on top of it. Yeah, in a measuring jug. It's there. We want plates on Instagram. 0818969696. I was talking about pork, onion and tomato earlier on this morning. Someone took a bit of offence to me saying I wouldn't give it to the dog. The dog wouldn't eat it. That's the Well, I suppose I should say my dogs don't like onions or tomatoes. They're not keen on either. But, but, but and I... No, no, God no. Um, Jennifer, you think you said you said to me you think pork, onion, and tomato was bad. What what did your granny do? Morning. Good morning, PJ. Yeah, my grandmother used to make brawn. So brawn basically is like made with a pig's head. You take the whole head or a half head and you put it into a pot and you boil it up for I think something to like three hours or something like that. Then the the skull will come away from the head meat. It's also called head cheese now as well. This is also called head cheese. So you take out the bones and then you put it into like an upside down cake tin and you leave it set and you put it into the fridge basically. Yeah, yeah. And then you take it out. You put what comes off the skull, right? Yeah, all the bits, all the bits, everything. Hang on, there's there's hair and there's ears and there's... There's everything. The yeah, so as I know. There. Yeah, all the bits that's inside your head, um, and and it, it, it's the jelly from the fat that jellifies it, and then you put it into the fridge. And when you take it out, you turn it upside down like an upside down cake, and you slice it and you put it into sandwiches. Like it, oh, you're it's joking me? You're no horrendous. Yeah, yeah, really. Now, absolutely. And it is so cold, like it's cold. Yeah, it's cold, and you can just see. When you look into it, it's like a jelly, but you can see all the bits like just suspended in the jelly on the inside. It's mind the honestly, bit, don't mind the bits now. Don't mind the, 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 the bits are bad enough, but the gel, the fat. Yeah. You're b- yeah. basically eating a slice of congealed fat. 
Yeah, yeah, you are. Yeah, and she loved it. Bits of a pig in it. It's it's popular. Like if you look it up online, it's a delicacy, but it's not. It's just. Did you like? It? And it would haunt your dreams. I hated it. Honestly, she used to cook up a lot of things so years ago that would kind of, you know, they they'd really chill you to the bone, like sheep's tongues and pigs' tails. And you'd have to crack the tail to get at the meat, and <sighs> you'd have to peel. You'd have to peel the outer layer of the tongue off. God, I used to. I mean, I I love an old crew bean, but they were messy devils. What? God, do you ever have a crew bean? I've had crubeans. I've had them all. Oh yeah, I've had them all. Like crubeans, rice, like like a crubean. But the idea of hang on. so you boil the head of the pig for three yeah. hours until mm-hmm. it all sorts of breaks up, and then yeah. you strain it out in a cake tin, and it turns into uh, yeah, the fat jellifies uh, it, yeah, and makes it kind of solid, and then yeah, she she thought it was amazing, like brawn, but it's called head cheese as well. Head cheese, they call it in different countries, which, like, honestly, that's just... Jeez, yeah, head cheese. <laughs> this is a new one on me, Jennifer. It really is. I think I think it was quite popular in Cork. Like, it would have been popular in <laughs> Ireland in general, I think. All those cuts of meat, like, uh, yeah, you know. The cuts, there's the cuts of meat. The cuts of meat, yeah. I mean, the cut... but The kind of throwaway bits, like... Cake of you know. fat. Yeah. She loves fat, though. She used to say, with all your joints. That's what she used to say about fat. <laughs> oh, God. Jennifer, thanks. Brawn! Did anybody ever have brawn? I, I do remember my own grandfather, God rest him, when there was bacon and cabbage in the house. He loved the fatty bacon. So the bacon with the big wedge of fat around the side of it. I went to hide it from him. Because he'd, he'd actually... Oh, Braun! 0818 96 96 night. My, my dad used to call pork, onion, tomato, pigs, things and onions. Yeah. My dad used to make brawn from the pig's head. Oh, God, lads. Oh, stop. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Cork's 96 FM. Oh, I'm still shuddering from the thoughts of biting into a slice of cold fat, hard congealed fatty jelly that might have ears in it. It could have a bit of a nose in it. It could have eyes in it. It could have brains in it. And this was a delicacy? Oh, God. <laughs> Just stop. Breeda. Well, Breeda, no, Breeda liked it and said it was lovely. Uh, can I read that? Jennifer's... <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer's nana sounds like Jeffrey Dahmer. Ah, stop. Stop, stop, stop. Hi, PJ. Just wondering if you could ask your listeners for their thoughts about air fryers. Everyone seems to be obsessed with them at the moment. I'm a mum of two small kids. I'm always very conscious that I feed them well. It's hard sometimes as I work full time too. A friend of mine has said air fryers are a game changer. I'm just wondering if your listeners could recommend anyone in particular. I'd also love to know what kind of food you can cook in an air fryer. They do seem to be kind of this month's fashionable item to have in the kitchen. 
I wonder, are they any good at all? Finn Lynch is a former chef. Finn, would you have one in your way? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Um, jelly deals. I think that'd be no bother to you. Support Spurs, for God's sake. So, you know, you're, you're up for anything. Um, we have one. You have an air frack one. We have one, but I, I, I don't... Obviously, um, there, there are perks to it and there's benefits to it, but personally, I don't see any... If you're cooking something that doesn't have a sauce, perfect. If you're cooking something like a chicken breast, it's perfect. But it tends to burn and it tends to everything tastes the same. You wouldn't be doing a fry in it, you know. Okay. Um, if you have if you had wings that you had a sauce on that were already marinated, it just burns the wings and it burns the sauce. Now, there are pros to it as well, but the biggest the biggest problem I find is you can't cook in bulk. If you're cooking for a family of five or six, forget it. Because you're cook you're you're filling it three or four times. I know there's bigger capacity ones. Yeah. And everything as far as I'm concerned with it, what I've had just tastes the same. Whereas, you know, you, you can't do anything that's battered. You can't make a fresh chicken cave because everything just falls off because the air is blowing around. It does the job of a convection oven only for not with capacity, if you know what I mean. Right. So like it's different to a microwave and a microwave boils everything. The microwave cooks from the inside out. Yes. Whereas this blows air around, um, like like for all the world, like like a, a cyclone just blows air around inside in a compartment, and that just goes around and clips the cooks as it goes around, working its way from the outside in. Whereas a microwave cooks from the outside in, right? Heating all the time. And and I'm thinking of sort of, I'm being told that or have been told that they're the nicest chips you'll ever have, though. You, you, yes, because you're 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 pu- you're putting something in that's seasoned and that's th- that that doesn't have a sauce. So yes, it would have because it's cooking it evenly. If you if you get somebody that cuts the chips evenly, yeah, they all cook evenly. They're lovely and things like um, onion rings or something like that. If you buy a frozen onion ring, that comes up really good because it's already cooked. Right, and it's brilliant. Brilliant if you. Some people have a pizza. They might want to reheat a pizza, heat the pizza up in it. But my fear with it is, and I had said this to Fergal, is that remember years ago, everybody said this small little sandwich toaster was going to be the game changer. Yeah. And then you were eating like a sandwich, like like two bits of beer mats with a ham and slice of ham inside in it after a while. Right. And I think in two or three years time, the air fryer is going to be banished and I don't think it's going to be around. There'll be something else. Yeah. But for my, the biggest problem with it is that any sauce that you put into it will burn and will stink the high heavens and they're harder to clean. And if you're cooking for a big family, forget it. Just yeah. forget it because you're 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 putting small capacity and everything isn't getting cooked evenly because you're packing it. Yeah, yeah. So what, what, you know, what, for, G, what G two gourmets, I mean, being told here, don't understand is people like speed. And absolutely, but if you want to go for speed, go for speed. But if you want to go for taste, take your time. Yeah, the better ones have downloadable recipes as well, which which are even. They have, but every when the microwave came out, they had a downloadable re- recipe. When the steam, when the pressure cooking, them, they had downloadable recipes because you have to sell them. You have to find a selling point. Yes, you know when a car yeah. came out with power steering, you bought it, you know, because it had power steering. Yes, but traditionally, you're you're you eat with your taste buds. You know, and from from what I've gathered from these things is that everything comes out tasting exact same. So if you're adding a sauce to it, yeah, well and good. If you're feeding, if, no, I'm not knocking it, but if you're yeah. feeding a family of two, two or three, two children, perfect. Perfect because it's speed if you haven't got time. But on a, on, I would be using it once a month if I'm going to use it at all, you know? Yeah, and would you put vegetables in it, for example? Um, well, vegetables in it, will, will you, you're going to have to, vegetables cook with moisture no matter what you do. You know, unless you're roasting them, vegetables need moisture. So what you're doing is just drying them out. So you'd have a, you'd have you'd have a soggy piece of vegetables. You know what I mean? Right. But you're adding a sauce to it when you take it out, or a gravy, or you know, a cheese sauce, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But definitely, definitely the chips. And are they 
how are they energy wise? I mean, everything is very energy. good. Yes, very good energy wise. Very good energy wise. But you you you, st- you still have to clean them. So there's the whole process of taking them apart and cleaning them. Uh, you know, like uh, uh, you don't clean your chip pan every time you use a chip pan. You don't. No, you know, uh, you you clean your microwave uh, once a week. You might put the plate in if something spills in it. But with the air fryer, if you cook something today and you don't clean it today. The next time you cook it, you're going to have a pungent of what you've put in it before. So you're cleaning it every day. So does it does it does it weigh up with cleaning? Yeah. I don't know. It depends on the circumstances of the person, you know. Yeah, Deirdre couldn't wait to get one to St Douglas. I couldn't wait to get one. Now it's in the wardrobe, and I've never used it. Finn, yeah, <laughs> like anything that you do, that like uh, I tell you what we do. If Spurs beat Liverpool, I'll try cook you a batter burger in the air fryer, and you'll see the laugh that we'll have. Okay, just, just don't give me brawn. All right, <laughs> I, and maybe there might be a bit of brawn in the middle. You'd never know. We can disguise it. Yeah. Finn, thanks. Good man. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Air fryers look. You can take or leave them. You can take or leave them. Definitely lovely chips. That's all I'm told. Lovely, lovely chips. Never had chips of an air fryer, but they say lovely, lovely chips. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Eileen, Eileen, you're bothered about a particular kind of ad, yeah? Yes, Morning. That's quite right. Yeah, um, it's just the, all the ads about the sanitary towels. You know the expression and the way they hold them in their hand, and you think they were precious gold and. No one holds their sanitary towels like that, man. You know what I mean. These are the ones on television now. Yeah, all the ads are coming up, and they're, then they're pu- now they're pouring blood on them. It's disgusting. And like, they're putting water on them. I imagine they're not putting real blood on them. Of course not, but it's red. No, no, this is a red drop comes down. Of course, it's not blood, but it's expressing that you're having blood pour on them, and they can hold it. You know, I mean, obviously it's not blood, but what I'm saying is so disgusting. There's no necessity to be expressing it so. Um, you know, openly mm. and ridiculously, because we all know what they're for. We know what things are, and of course, we want to know how good they are. But they're holding in their hands, and this is sitting on the toilet. And she said, "You pour water on it, and it holds such." It's totally. I think it's disgusting because you're sitting at a meal and you don't know who's in the house with you. You know, and like we don't. I don't need that to be shown in front of television in front of me. You know, mm. I know what to do if I want to wear them or if I have yeah. to wear them, you know? And I just think they're gone outrageous and, and the, it's just the thickness and they, then I peed in my pants. Oh, sweet God almighty, it's enough thing to be, to be kind of, um, you know, careful about and everything like that. It's just too vulgar altogether, I think, and ridiculous. I don't know why women aren't up in arms because it's not necessary to express it that way, I think. So, so I don't know, it's just, just um, it's ridiculous. I never thought of it that way, but now that you... It's a I personal mean, thing, like, you know? Now, now that, I mean, to me, the ads are an opportunity to go and make a cup of coffee or something. Exactly, no, I do agree with you, but you're stuck with them sometimes, you you're know? You're stuck with them you sometimes, are. yeah. And I was sitting down with a friend, and uh, I couldn't believe what came up with him. And it was a friend, it was a man, but it didn't matter what it was, it was a woman friend, I don't like. And I had, oh my God, which way am I going to look? And I kind of was in, I stopped in the end of the conversation, I said, oh God, whatever, where's the, where's the things I turn it down? Do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, I do. It's not do. necessary. It's, it's it's a talking point. People might want to come back on that one. But come here, they're telling me here that while you were waiting to talk to me, something else happened that annoys you. Was, was a dog? Yes, I was at um, in the front room, you know, and this man passed up. Next time he saw the dog, no, oh, he passed up every day. Doing his poo and he just walked on. You know, I mean, this is another thing that I really do not... The dog know. or the man? I hope it was oh, the dog. It's mother, no, only the dog. <laughs> <laughs> he probably would do the same as if he got a chance to go. Oh, forgive me, I shouldn't say that. But what I'm saying is, he, you know, 
And it's not the dog's fault, obviously, but he just carried that note it was out in the middle of the road, you know. Yeah. I'm not saying that children come down there with their scooters, which they shouldn't, but besides that, that's a yeah. speed limit. But, I mean, people are passing down there with their prams, but this fellow just carried on. Ah, leave me alone. And that's another thing annoys me. But, I mean, you can't get over that because no one is listening to you, you know. No one is listening to you. They just do as they wish. And uh, when you go for a walk, it's so, just so disgusting sometimes, you know. And um, But anyway, this is the thing I'm on this morning because I'm just sick of it. I don't know how women would allow these ads go so deep. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, you think it was gold they had in the hand. You wouldn't hold a child as precious, like. <laughs> Eileen, I appreciate the call. There you go. Eileen has a bit of a problem with sanitary towel ads. She, like they're holding them at the crown jewels and they're pouring things into them. And Eileen says, we all know what they do. We all know what they're for. Stop. No need for this. <laughs> oh, 0818 96, 96 96 Don't you just love the way some people ring up the radio to complain about things? Because that's what makes a great show. Oh, 0818 96, 96 96 Now, Nicole... Duggan, I, congratulations on your new position, events manager with My Canine Companion. And you've got an event coming up. Morning. Thank you. How are you? Great. How's my little pal? He's flying, thank God. Yes, and, 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 and Mammy's coming up in the world, eh? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Brilliant. What's happening that you want to talk about? So we have um, My Canine Companion's fifth annual Green Tape Ball on Friday night in Silver Springs Hotel. Um, so, as you know, with COVID and everything, this is our first big event since everything kicked off again. So we're really looking forward to it. Um, so it's taking place in Silver Springs in Cork. And we have our tickets are still on sale till tomorrow at five o'clock. Um, so they can be gotten on our website. And everything that's raised through the ball is going to help us to continue our work and to open our list again next year, which is obviously very important to us. Remind people, Nicole, just how long it takes and how much it costs to train one of those wonderful animals. So um, our dogs will come up through a puppy programme, so they're placed with families um, as a puppy. They come up through the family, they bond with the child. So it takes about two years um, and it costs the charity €10,000 over the lifetime of the dog. And you provide it to the family free of charge? We do, yeah. So we don't charge for our service at all. So everything that we do is done through fundraising and charitable events. Um, so exactly like our ball now is to raise money to make sure that we can open our list next year and to accept more families into the programme, which yeah. is very important. And once again, our own pal Pierce McCarthy is MC for the night. He is. He is MC on the night. So we have he- a few fun things up our sleeves. Um, Pierce is amazing and he does amazing work every year at the ball so we're really looking forward to it It's a charity he's very fond of and he's always talking about it and I know he does a great job so tickets are still on sale up to tomorrow evening if you go into mycaninecompanion.ie forward slash green tie ball I'm sure if you just google green tie ball all one word it'll come it up It will come up yeah or even if they up. just go into our own website it's on the home page they'll see it and if they click on the picture it'll bring you straight into ticket sales right. so they're on sale till tomorrow um, and we're really looking forward Fantastic. to seeing everybody there. Himself buying his own coffee. What a moment, eh? <laughs> I know, I know. He's playing. He really is. I, now watch, I, I watched that a couple of this. Nicole's um, youngster, by the way, if anyone doesn't remember, is called Riley. And you were told, weren't you, Nicole, he'll always depend on you for everything. Yeah, and he would. And do you know what, PJ? Like, Willow, Riley sort of the service dog from McCain Canyon has taught him so, so much and she's gotten him used to those situations. Yes. So he's been in and out to the coffee shop with her 
and he's attached to her because he's a flight risk. So she has taught him about have, having to queue and to pay and that like that day now he just went and did it on his own, which is like it's a testament it's to what the service dogs do. You know, it's amazing. It absolutely is. I must say, I watched that video and I, I had a lump the size of a golf ball. Yeah, in my throat. they're life changers, I've, and you know I, what? It's, yeah. It gives him his independence, yeah, that's and that's what, what she's do. done for us. She's given him independence, but she's given me peace of mind that he's safe. There you go. And because if he tries so to important. move, she'll just sit down and God, her man won't move. Yeah, her. and she he's done things for her that he's never, ever been able to do. Like he That's did fantastic. the coffee shop. He's gone to concerts with her and she's just his his best friend. He looks at, like she looks after him. So that's why it's so important to us to be able to open our list next year and to be able to accept more families into right. the programme and that's what the ball is for. Okay, my green tie ball for my canine companion on at the weekend. Nicole, thank you. And that's it. The programme edited by Emer O'Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. We'll see you tomorrow just after nine. You also have split cork down the middle this morning. Oh, yeah. is this the story about the vase? Divisive. The vase. The vase. For the vase. A vase. I'm siding with Victoria. <laughs> yes. Might just be the South African in me, but I'm saying vase. Yay! Casey and Ross. Yes. It's vase. Thank you very much. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Vase all the way. Yeah, hello. Sorry, no, it's actually a vase. It is actually Thank you very much, little person. Good morning, boys. And Victoria. I never heard anybody saying pass the Vaseline. Yeah. Yeah. Lads, it's a f***ing flower pot. (laughs) Casey and Ross in the morning. Get into gear for 2023 with No DC Cars Blackpool. Skoda's sales dealer of the year. Open 24-7 at NoDC.com. Quartz 96FM. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.